Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Well, a few months ago, Daniel started a series through Acts. And as he started his series through Acts, got to a point where we were talking about sharing your story and sharing your story um, that can affect people's lives and that your story has value. That you sharing what, how you came to Christ and got to know Christ has value in getting to know other people and uh, sharing Christ with them. And uh, all of our stories are going to be different. If they're all the same, we got some problems here. But I know, and I look out here, and I see all these different faces, and I know all of us were raised differently, had different upbringings, and that's okay. We all have our own story. God made us different, and we all had different experiences. Some of us will have dramatic events happen in our lives, and others, not so much. Maybe you had Christian parents, and maybe that's what pushed you away from church. Or maybe you had Christian parents and raised in the church, and you're happy and excited about it. Or not. Truth is, um, it's your story, and it's unique to you. Christ chose... 12 guys to speak into their lives. 12 ordinary men from different backgrounds, different walks of life. Some fishermen, a tax collector, a trader, some sons of well-known man, a doubter, one who studied, one with some prejudice against others, common everyday people with typical failings and they were used and taught by God. Do you think that Jesus knew what he was doing? (laughs) That's a dumb question, right? Of course he knew what he was doing. Normal everyday men used and taught by God in remarkable ways. Each of the 12 had their own story and their encounter with Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, it says, Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. So grow where you're planted is kind of what I got out of this verse. So if I've accepted Christ in the situation that I'm in, I get to grow in that situation in Jesus Christ. This verse is reminding us that the Lord is the author of our life. Are we willing to grow right here where we're planted? God has plans for us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. With that being said, I have a story. 
And I have seen God's fingerprints throughout my life. And as I now get to reflect back at my life a bit, and I get to show you some pictures this morning, isn't that neat? And uh, possibly uh, where I was born. So it's an exotic, unique place. And if you wait just a moment, I think we'll get there. Uh, the globe is shifting a bit. I was born in, oh, we missed the very end of that, but in Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> After I was born, they turned um, that ward of the hospital into the Johnson Center, which some of you know is the, aka the mental ward of the hospital. <laughs> my first clue that I might be called to youth ministry right at birth. My parents were Steve and Loretta Dixon. And this is, uh, I'm the third child, by the way. So they got cuter as they went along. Um, so that was my baby pick. And my... Well, you can stay there for a while, and that'll be fine. <laughs> My earliest memories of home life was a lot of dysfunction. Some yelling from my parents and them uh, walking out on each other it made us feel insecure. Uh, and um, there was never any mention of God. We just didn't do it. It wasn't part of our lives for the first few years of us growing up. A lot of chaos in our family. We loved each other, uh, but there was a lot of dysfunction going on uh, that I remembered when I was young. I'm that uh, little guy with the overalls there on the side. Pretty cute little guy, huh? Look at those striking eyes. Ooh. At the age of five, right after this time, somewhere close, uh, we landed in the huge city of Bell Fountain, Oregon. Population 300, if you count all the cattle. So I got a picture of Bell Fountain from our, this is from our house. And if you look out on the one side is the school. And then you can see the church building up on the hill. And then over here is the general store where Momo and Popo worked. They were my cousin's grandparents, and that's what he called them. And then our house is right behind that fence, a small farmhouse. And um, it was a small house for uh, five kids at the time and uh, two parents and a dog and cat and turkeys and geese and cows and horses and um, also a dog. We also had a dog named Duchess. She was an uh, awesome, awesome dog. Whenever I felt um, pressed in by others, I went and uh, laid down by the oil um, stove. Is that what they called them? Whatever it was, it poured oil into it and got heat. Um, and uh, Duchess would be my friend. So that church where we started up on the hill, 
That was my first introduction to church. My parents sent us because there was free childcare on Sunday mornings called Sunday School. And they would give them some peace and quiet for a while. And we'd go up there, and I met the minister. His name was Bruce, Bruce Shalver. Um, always welcomed us. You'd see the little Dixon kids running through the pasture, climbing up the hill to go to church. He was crazy. Uh, some of the things that uh, we did getting up there. Uh, I ran into Bruce as an adult, and uh, he was super excited about seeing me once I told him who I was. He said, I'm surprised you're alive. <laughs> and I asked why, and he reminded me that my brothers and I would play chicken um, as the cars and the log trucks would go by on our road. We'd run back and forth to see if we could make it. We all did. Um, but uh, he, was, he was an awesome minister that loved on us. The most influential person in that church, though, was the Sunday school teacher, Bonnie Moody. Made a huge impact on our lives. Um, she spoke love into us, truth into us. She told us that we were God's special children and would constantly um, just do special things with our class and have memory uh, times when we could do um, memorization and I'd win plaques and bring them home and put them up on the wall and, and uh, she made a huge difference um, in each one of us. So uh, for a second, how many of you have ever taught Sunday school in here to children? Raise your hand. Thank you. I want to say a huge thank you to you because you don't even know the differences that you made in kids' lives how you spoke into them and how you impacted their life. Here I am 50 years later, remembering Bonnie Moody, you know, that she spoke into my life and touched my life and um, encouraged me. So thank you, Sunday school teachers, for doing that and for giving up that time and maybe other classes that you could have gone to to uh, teach kids. After seven years in Bell Fountain, something happened. We don't know what, but these poor young, this poor young boy had to go off to another huge city that was like five times bigger. <laughs> Harrisburg. <laughs> I think we had a population of 1,800 people at the time. And um, I think we can move on to the Harrisburg slide. Here's the, yeah, we can pass that one. Love the collars. Look at the collars on theirs. Those were pretty trendy. It felt huge to us. We left uh, the population uh, 300 to population 1800. From farm to a cul-de-sac. We left friends home. Uh, back in Bell Fountain, people that we'd grown up with. And uh, then we, I was going into my sixth grade year. And at my sixth grade year, most of uh, you will understand, the puberty fairy hit. And I plumped out from this little teeny boy to a plumped little sixth grader. <laughs> Starting a brand new school that uh, made me have many self-image problems. And not only that, 
the first day of school, I went to the restroom. While visiting that room, I get a knock on the stall door. Which very strange. Like, they got a strange school here. But it was a girl saying that I was in the wrong restroom. <laughs> Not my best moment. Especially as I sat there arguing with her. Maybe another uh, sign that I was going to be in youth ministry one day. Soon, God led me to a friend at Harrisburg, another sixth grader that um, was going to something called Royal Rangers. Anybody ever heard of Royal Rangers? Good. Whew. Got a few others, which the Assembly of God's version of Boy Scouts. And you could earn patches and do all kinds of things, go on campouts. And I went to that with him and I got in there where there were some people speaking God into me and loving me and letting me know about Christ some more. Meanwhile, and I know this was the 80s, or actually back then, probably the 70s, um, my parents didn't check out any of these ministries. They didn't go. They didn't care. And I came home one day and I said, you know what? I want to get baptized. And they said, sure, go ahead. So the next week, me and a few of my friends got baptized there at the Assemblies of God Church. And it was uh, pretty awesome to accept Christ and to know that uh, my life belonged to Him. But that's all I really knew. There wasn't much depth at all. But I knew that I belonged to Jesus now and that I could call upon Him to forgive my sins and it meant a lot, and I continued to um, go to church there until my brothers told me about Harrisburg Christian Church. It was a lot closer, and they had some cool youth pastors there from Northwest Christian College at the time, and uh, so I wanted to go be a part of that. And they were incredible at being loving, kind, teaching us kids to love each other, to be um, kind to one another, to love God, to read our Bibles, something I hadn't done yet. I'd memorized some scriptures, but I hadn't uh, memori or carried my Bible around or, or did anything with that. So I started carrying my Bible and um, talking to other people about Jesus. And that was pretty cool. It's pretty good. Worked for a while. But after a while... I wanted to know if God really existed. I wanted to know if God was, was really there. And God and I, one day, when nobody was home at my house, which was very unusual because we had adopted my sister and now there's a whole, there's a whole other bunch of people in our house because uh, there was a total of eight of us when we got done. Uh, eight kids and two, two parents. So I'm there, and I'm arguing with God. And I want him to prove it. I want him to show himself to me. 
Because if I'm going to be following him, if I'm going to be giving my life to him, and the youth ministers and, and pastors and stuff were telling me that it would take commitment, it took time, it took effort to follow Jesus, then I wanted something back. I wanted some uh, God to come visit me, to send an angel, to do something to touch my life. And I waited, and I prayed, and I said, God, come on. And then I yelled at God, and still nothing. And I knew, I knew that Scripture that said, don't test the Lord your God. I'd heard that in church, and one of the ministers had said it. I think Doral Campbell from Harrisburg Christian Church had said it. Um, And I just waited for God to do something, to show up. I'm like, fine, I'm going to test him. I'm going to test you, God. Here I go. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And I looked up to the corner of the room, and there was a fly about 10 feet away. And I'm sitting down, and I said, okay, God, let me kill that fly with this hand towel, short little towel that wouldn't even reach halfway to where the fly was because I wanted God to fail at this time because I wanted to go and live my life the way I wanted to live. I didn't want to make any more sacrifices. I didn't want to give up going to the parties. I didn't want to give up you know, going to where the girls were on uh, Saturday evenings. I'm 16. I'm, I'm ready to uh, explore a little bit, right? And do what I wanted to do. And so I knew that that was wrong with following Jesus and going to church. I needed to give those up, but I wanted to now not give them up anymore. So I wanted God to fail. I flicked my wrist up towards that fly, just very like, ugh, not giving a care because I wanted him to fail. And that fly flew off that wall. Remember, this is my story. Okay, a fly flew off that wall, hit the end of that towel, and just disintegrated. <laughs> My God, really? I put every reason for God to fail right there, and he showed up and said, nope, not getting out of this is that easy. Make a lame excuse with a fly on the wall. Flick a towel at me. I'll show you what I can do. And that, that's just small. That's, that's like, really? God? Well, let me tell you, in that moment, I felt the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Just cover me. And God's holy arms wraps himself around me. And I can't explain totally the feelings um, and everything that had happened in that moment, but I began to just weep and cry and let God just minister to my soul at that point. And from that day, I never again question God's existence, his working, 
the way I've seen him operate. And by the way, that was another huge sign that I might be in youth ministry one day with that story. I'm like, story like that, only a youth minister could have. But it is, it was amazing. God pouring himself out on me during that time and just sitting there and experience God's love. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that spoke so loudly to me that day. I went on to high school to lead prayer groups and Bible studies. I was picked by my high school basketball team to be our chaplain my senior year, which I think was a great honor and it was awesome. And as I graduated, let's move on to the next slide. It's an impressive slide. Look at this young, skinny boy. That was in front of our house in Harrisburg in the cul-de-sac. So I graduated and I, I told God, I'm going to be an electronic engineer. I didn't ask God. You would have thought by now I would have learned my lessons, right? I told God, Hey, I'm going to be an electronic engineer. Let's go. So I needed to go take some placement tests at um, Portland State because that was where they had the best uh, program at the time for that. And so I went up there with my friend Jerry. Him and I went and uh, went and took the placement tests. Did awesome on the math placement test. Don't ask me to do math today. You don't need math in Christian college, by the way. <laughs> and um, took the English placement test and missed it by two points. Uh -oh. Like, are you kidding me? God, look, we had a deal. I was going to be an electronic engineer. And now you're going to make me make a choice. I either pay for my gas to get home or I take this test again. Because you could take it again right away. And if you paid another 20 bucks, same test. Be a no-brainer, right? Okay, take the test again. I missed it by two points again. The two I'd missed before, I got right. So this was a two complete different questions that I got right the test before. So I go back home. My friend luckily had gas money. And I just like, what am I going to do? My future is ruined because I couldn't get into one program. You know how we are in graduating, right, Jackson? <laughs> what am I going to do, God? And um, I went to talk to my pastor, Doral Campbell, and he suggested, hey, why don't you go to Christian college? I said, no, why, why would I do that? And he said, just do it, give it a try. They need an extra basketball player. Um, you could be on the basketball team. Uh, we know you love basketball. And I'm like, well, that's sounding a little more inviting. Okay. So the coach came and talked to me, recruited me to come to the school. 
which I never played basketball for him, I decided, you know what, if I'm going to school, I better study. So I went to Northwest Christian College in the very first class that I went into, English 121, that I passed with an A that I didn't deserve. The teacher was very lenient in that first class. But my parents laughed at me when I just told them I was going to go to Christian college and made fun of me and said, you'll never amount to anything if you go to Christian college. What's your future hold? What are you going to do? And really, I didn't have an answer at that time. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but it was a school and a place that accepted me. And I totally felt like, okay, God, what is going on? What are you doing with my life? And I continued to pray and ask. I started working at the uh, Harrisburg Youth Group and helped them out. In 1987, the best choice I ever made. Go ahead, a couple, right there. Getting married to my wife of 36 years now, and I still had a couple years of school left. And at that time, right after our marriage, decided that youth ministry might be a good option. I got a degree in missions and a degree in youth ministry from Christian College. And, uh, thank you. (laughs) And when I learned that you could actually get paid to go and have fun and do youth ministry, that was a game changer. I did a uh, year year at St. Helens Church in St. Helens, Oregon, a year at a Korean church in um, Eugene, just right outside of Eugene, wonderful, awesome church. They couldn't speak to the kids anymore because they all spoke Korean still. They needed somebody to come speak to the kids, and I got to do that for a year. And then my first full-time youth ministry was at uh, Mount Vernon Church of Christ in Springfield, Oregon. Spent three years there, seven and a half years at Elmira, two years as a hiccup in Elizabethan, Tennessee. It was great, awesome youth ministry. 9-11 happened during that time, and it felt like I needed to go home. I need to get back to Oregon. And um, so we came, and two things happened when I drove from Idaho into Ontario, Oregon. First, it started raining. i like, I'm home. <laughs> wish, wish that would happen again. Second thing is, I got a call from Roseburg First Christian Church saying that they were looking for a youth pastor. And I was like, wow. Thank you, Lord. It's incredible. And um, so here, 21 years later, I'm still standing before you telling my story that God can lead us, guide us, and direct us. You know, God's blessed me with a wife who loves Jesus, God's blessed me with six kids, four grandkids so far. A family picture last year. Everybody's in it. Little Clara was only a few months old. And um, 
a family that has come to know Jesus. My mom and dad both accepted Christ. My dad before he passed. And my mom before her dementia set in. This is taken just a week ago um, with my brothers. My brother Dwayne, who was here, couldn't make it. But it's uh, my brothers and my three sisters and um, my other brother, Jerry, we haven't seen in 20-some years. We're not sure where he's at. So if you get a chance, pray for him. Um, but 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Psalms 103 says, Praise the Lord my soul, my, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There's so much more to my story. Obviously, we all have times of um, valleys in our life. It can't be all mountaintops. We're going to go down in the valleys. We're going to have times where things don't always work out, where situations and circumstances will hit us. But it's what we do with those valley times and how we praise God through those valley times that gets us back to the mountaintops, where we see God clearly again. That time when I was 16 was definitely a huge valley for me. Questioning God, is, is, is he there? And it didn't all happen in one day. It built up through time and me questioning. My uncle questioning me whether God really existed because he wanted to spend time with me and that would take me away from him as going to church. And I had other influences at high school and other things trying to press on me. So it didn't, it didn't just build that, that day, but it came out that day and if we allow God he will cover his cover us with his glory with his mercy with his grace and we all need it and we need to continue to need it throughout our lives while I was at week of missions I heard a the, one of the speakers said how long will you try to clean yourself up before you let God clean you up. We need to let God minister to us, to encourage us, to clean us up, to make us His, and to give us our stories that we have that we can share with other people to be able to impact their lives, to see them working, to see and help them accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. God is so good and since 16, 41 years ago, I have unwavered in my faith. Yes, I've made mistakes and errors, but God's mercy covers me. And I'm committed to Christ with all my heart. God has a way of telling us that he loves us. And this past Saturday, I took youth to a concert and met up with my best friend and my freshman college roommate, Tim Houck, and we got to see a couple 80s Christian rock bands, Stephen Curtis Chapman and Jeff Moore. 
And while there, and I didn't, didn't get to see it till later, my best friend Tim sent me a text. He was also a youth pastor and now a school counselor. God bless him. And it reads, I want you to know I so admire you for how you serve God by serving your youth. You have served so well for so long. Then he says, this song has encouraged me much over the years. The, the world may consider you a fool, but that's not who you do what you do for. He will call you good and faithful servant. We all need friends like Tim, don't we? God is good. And I am so glad that God can take a broken piece of pottery and make it whole. Whole and filled with Him. Your story matters. It matters so much that you can tell it to somebody else, that you can share it with somebody, and maybe it connects with them and connects the, not, uh, the dots with Jesus for them and that they can come to know Jesus Christ. That they can see God working and they can have that point in their life where God wraps his arms around them and says, you know what, I love you no matter what. No matter how you've questioned me, no matter how you've wanted to go and do your own thing, I love you and you're mine. Take time to share your story with somebody. Maybe you get to write it out. Maybe not. Maybe you just tell it and share it. You can touch people and encourage people with it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.